Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Intercooler Podcast. Welcome to the final episode of the year, episode 141, with me, Dan Prosser, my co-host, Andrew Frankel. Um, it seemed like a good opportunity to look back at the year just gone. Some of our favourite cars, um, some of our least favourite cars, thinking back to the fun things we got up to this year, but also look ahead to 2023, some of our plans for next year, and some of the really important, interesting new cars that are coming down the line. Um, but before we get on with the episode, let me just thank you all for your support throughout the year, for listening to the podcast, um, for subscribing to the Intercooler app or website if you do. Um, we really appreciate it. So Merry Christmas to you all. Have a great new year. Um, we'll be back in January. This is the final episode of the Intercooler podcast in 22 because we're giving ourselves Christmas week off. I'm not sure we deserve it, but we're doing it anyway. Um, I think we deserve it. Okay, we deserve it. I agree. So we, so this is our opportunity then to look back at 2022 year in review. We'll talk about our favourite new car of the year or some of the other cars that we've enjoyed driving. Um, maybe some of the exciting things we got up to. Um, also a chance though to look ahead to 2023, what we've got planned and um, the cars we're looking forward to. First of all though, I mean we, there's something that we have to talk about before we get stuck into this podcast and that's a very special Christmas episode of Last Blast. Yeah, I went and had a chat with Gordon Murray. Um, and, uh, I mean, everybody knows who Gordon Murray is. Everybody knows his track record in Formula One and with McLaren F1 um, and the stuff that he's, he's doing now. But um, if you know Gordon, I've been lucky enough to know him probably 30 years since the earliest days of the F1. Um, and if you sort of, you know, get along and that sort of thing, he will just sit down, he'll just talk and he will talk and talk and talk 
Um, and unlike most people who talk and talk and talk, he's never not interesting. Mm. Um, and he's never afraid to, you know, tell you how he sees the world. Um, and to sit down with him and just sort of get him to pick out um, his favourite cars that he didn't make himself, although one of them he did. Mm. But it's not the F1. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything about what he has chosen, but the McLaren F1 is not one of his cars. Which I thought, you know, if, if anybody was going to go on that um, on that show and nominate one of their <laughs> one of their own cars, it would you know it would be Gordon nom- nominating the F1 because as I've said many times before, it's you know it's the it's the car that did the, you know the greatest leap in road car performance that there's ever been, but he didn't. Mm. Um, so anyway, so and, and it was just a. It was a fascinating chat. Uh, I think it was scheduled for like half an hour, and I think we did an hour and forty in the end. It just, and I just, you know, and you just let the tape. When, when, when the stuff is that good, you just let the tapes roll, um, which we did. And it was, it was great to see him. He's on cracking form. I mean, he must be, oh, I don't know, seventy six, seventy seven. Um, you know, he's not a young man anymore. It doesn't seem to have. I don't think he's noticed. Um, he's just. <laughs> He's just an absolutely relentless dynamo, um, and we talked about yeah, we talked about all sorts of stuff, um, you know, both in, all the way through his early career with with Brabham and then to McLaren, um, and you know, various things that went wrong, and and then obviously on to what he's up to now. So it's it's a really really good, interesting episode. It's a fantastic Christmas special because people tend to have a bit more time at Christmas, which is why you know, a hundred minutes of, you know, of Gordon to sort of see you out when you're out walking the dog or whatever. Um, I think it's a, I think it's got nothing to do with me. I think he's just a cracking subject and we're, you know, we were lucky to have him. Yeah. If you don't know about Last Blast, it's our relatively new podcast series that's interview based. And the idea is we get fascinating guests from the world of cars to come on and it's a discussion about their life and work. It's a fairly personal one, but we ask them about the six cars that have meant most to them during their lives um and so it's a i don't think anyone has done something quite like this in the car podcasting space we think it's a bit of a new idea um it's called last blast and yeah this episode with gordon murray will be available on thursday but of course we'll make plenty of noise about it um weekly reminder that you can give a subscription to the intercooler as a gift and if you haven't yet bought that present for that car mad person in your life well it's probably too late to send them something Um, It's not too late to buy a subscription to the Intercooler. Head to the-intercooler.com, find the gifts page, and you'll see that you can choose three, six, or 12 months. You'll see that we will send you a digital gift voucher immediately. Um, And it's a very cost-effective way to give a brilliant present. It's easy for you. We think the recipient will love it. Um, it couldn't be more straightforward. Yeah, I mean, you can you can just email it to them, or if you, or you can print it out if you're going to see them. Uh, you can try putting it in the post. Uh, see how you get on. Yeah, it's a pretty um, easy way to sort out the sort of problems that we all find ourselves with this time of year. So, let's look back then at 2022. Um, yes. Now, I can tell that 22 was a very different year for me because for the first time in a decade or more. I wasn't at the forefront of driving all the new significant performance cars. Um, you know, I used to I used to drive all the new Ferraris, McLarens, Porsches, um, all the exciting stuff, all the new hot hatches and sports cars. This year, I've missed quite a lot of stuff because I've been doing this. I've been building TI. I've been um, 
I've been working on this thing rather than being out and about driving new cars. So actually, I've loved it. But next year, I think have I you? will do more. I have, I have, because I just like, I like spending my time building something. I've wanted yeah. to do it for a very long time, so I feel really lucky to get to do that. But next year, I want to get back to it, certainly. Uh, I think one of the things we've discovered <laughs> this year, well, we discovered it a bit last year, but certainly this year, is that something like TI doesn't just happen, does it? Um, <laughs> Not at all. It is, it, is a, it is a relentless monster in its yeah. ability to just soak up time. Um, and that's fine, because, you know, we love it. Um, and it's going very well, um, and so you don't resent the time, do you? But no. um, yeah, you must get yourself back in the in the fun stuff next year. Yeah, I'll do more next year, hopefully. I, on the other hand, <laughs> go on. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what can I say? Um, no, I've been I've been very lucky. Um, you know, I, I I have been able to stay at the coalface, um, and you know, getting all the well, uh, maybe not absolutely everything that's come out, but most of the stuff. Mm. Um, I, I wonder, people always go to, when they do these things, they go, it, was a, it was a vintage year. And I sort of wonder whether it is or not. I've always <laughs> thought, it, it, you know, it's, a, it's one of those sort of pat phrases that people come out and go, yes, it was a vintage year. I, I don't, I'm not sure that it was. Um, there were some, undoubtedly, some very good cars, some very interesting cars. Um, there were some slightly disappointing cars. There were certainly one or two very poor cars. Um, I think it was, how would I put it? I think it was a year. Mm. <laughs> it was certainly a year. We can agree on that. Um, okay, so whenever I think back, um, reflect on a year, what I do is I go to the Photos app on my phone, scroll back to the 1st oh, of January, yeah. and just trawl through. Because if I've done something or driven something interesting, I'll take a photo. Um, probably too many. And so that's how I remind myself what I've been up to. Um, but I think we should... I mean, we're not going to talk about the new cars in real detail because we sort of covered that off in last week's episode, didn't we? But we can talk about what your highlight was, what your new car highlight was. That, 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 that requires me. That assumes I've already thought of it. <laughs> okay, um, well, do you want to trot through the contenders then? Well, there are so many because, you know, they're, they're so, you know, I, I just like cars that know what they're for. Um, and... You know, so I could nominate the the MG4, little electric mm. MG. It's come over, costs twenty five. Basically, it's a much better car than a Volkswagen ID3 for thousands and thousands of pounds less. It's better looking. It's better to drive. It costs less to buy. Um, it, and 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 I think in sort of like fitness for purpose, that qualifies it as being a really really good car. Um, but I also at the other end, I drove a a Chiron. Um, super sport, mm. whatever the really, really fast, the 300 mile an hour share is, um, with Andy Wallace. And, and I've always been a bit sort of, I wonder what those cars are like because I've driven a Veyron and hadn't really got on with it because I just thought, well, yeah, it's, it's quite impressive for a car that weighs two tons, but I'd just much rather it didn't weigh two tons. Um, but the Veyron was apps, I mean, it was, it was epic in a the way. Chiron. I mean, so, yes, yeah, sorry, the Chiron was epic in a way that, um, it just did something that I'd not known a road car do. And I just find that interesting. Um, and whether that's, you know, an ability like a Defender to go up a muddy slope or a Chiron to do 300 miles. I just, I just found it interesting that I was sitting there driving a car, which was capable of doing something that no other road car I'd done um, could do. Uh, for, for a car of the year, I mean, there, there are some obvious kind of candidates, aren't there? I mean, GT4 RS. Yeah. Um, Cayman GT4 RS, uh, I thought was just absolutely what a modern fun Porsche should be like 
Um, I preferred it to the GT3. You didn't, um, which is fair enough. Um, so I guess, I mean, but also I drove the, the Artura. And to me, that is absolutely what a McLaren like that should be. I mean, the Artura, the thing about the Artura is it, it is so... I don't think that there is another car out there which does so well in both road and track environments. Um, it's it's fantastic on the road because it's so nicely damped and it's and it's comfortable and you can see out of it and it's just it's just the right sort of driving environment. It is of course fantastically fast. I mean, to the extent you drive, find yourself driving it thinking, I bet this is, there's going to be a compromise on the track. It's just going to be get a bit sort of ragged. It, it feels too optimised for the road. But then you get on the track and it's not. I mean, it's, it's probably not as, it's not a GT3 RS on the track or anything like it. No, it's not um, trying to that, be, is it? That it's not trying to be. Uh, it's trying to do both. And it does it, um, it does it amazingly well. Um, <clears throat> the 296 GTB I drove um, and really, really liked. Um, I'd said, and I know I said this on the podcast before, that when I drove the SF90, I can remember thinking to myself, this would just be so much nicer if it didn't have a driven front axle and actually had some boot space you mm. could go somewhere in it. And wouldn't it be great if Ferrari built that car? Well, that's what a 296 GTB is. And it's as good as it sounds. It's a really, really capable, credible, fantastically well-engineered, truly great Ferrari. I'm not... I didn't get a massive emotional attachment to it. I didn't just sort of think and uh, thinking, God, you know, if only I was, you know, a wealthy man, yeah. I'd be marching over and slapping down the money right here and right now. I, I didn't get that from it, but it was. In but terms that's of telling, what it isn't do. it? Don't you think that's really telling? Well, like, what, Ferrari, what was the yeah. last Ferrari that you really longed, pined, ached to own? Oh, that's a question to spring on me, isn't it? <laughs> What was the last? <sighs> well, okay. Do you I'll four five eight do you, Italia do you, probably? Yeah, fine. That's a good answer. Yeah, very good answer. And that's a decade ago, more than a decade ago. Yeah. Whew. Interesting. Oh, well, isn't it? well, okay. La Ferrari. Okay. Yeah. La Ferrari. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay, but yeah. that's you know that's you know that's not what you're talking about, is it? Mm. Um, but you know of, of, of a Ferrari that you know someone could in theory go out and buy, probably the four five eight. Uh, despite mm. the fact that I think the Ferraris as cars, have just gone on getting better and better and better. Yeah. I mean, I can remember when I first drove a Roma, I was just amazed by how good it is. Mm. Um, and, you know, and the 296 is the same, and, you know, 812s and everything else. I mean, they're, they're, they're fabulous things, but it's interesting, actually. I, I, yeah, I think they might have lost something in that sort of um, emotional dimension, which is, mm. frankly, you know, years and years back, was, frankly, the reason you bought a Ferrari, isn't it? Mm. Because Absolutely. you kind of know that there'll be any other cars which would be technically better, but they didn't look like that, and they didn't sound like that, and they didn't stir your soul like that. So that's why you got a Ferrari. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've not driven the two nine six, so I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I have. But whew, yeah, I, I, it's, it, it is interesting to me that I'm I'm not actually too concerned. I haven't been on the phone to Ferrari or whatever trying to get myself in that the driver's seat of that car. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but given an opportunity i'll jump in it thank you very much um so do you do you want to declare one car your car of the year can you do that well i've been thinking about it i mean in many ways <clears throat> but the problem with this is you always end up nominating a bloody 911 <laughs> um and you, the, you, well there's okay the came is not a 911 but it's not far off and there's been the gt3 rs and but actually i think the 911 t i drove mm, with the absolute course. base engine um, but with a manual gearbox, which hasn't been available on the 992 until now, but with a limited slip diff, 
Um, uh, and Porsche Active Suspension Management, uh, which you couldn't get. I, I just think that's a really nice, sweet spot. I mean, if, if you think that the 911 is the greatest sports car there's ever been, um, and the old sort of the hoary old adage about less being more when it comes to a 911, that was that, that was kind of where it's where it's at for me. You know, mm. base engine, three pedals, you know, one or two nice little bits on it, like the. Um, like the limited slip death, uh, the one I drove did have four wheel steering, which I'd absolutely have on it, but that's only optional. Um, and goodness me, I'd be happy with that. It's as really strange. As... I, did, I, I never drove it. I sat there thinking, "Gosh, I wish it had, you know, a Carrera S engine. I, you mm. know, I, I wish it had another seventy horsepower, whatever it's got." I just, I just didn't. Whereas if I'd been dri- driving a Carrera S, I know I would have sat there thinking, "I wish it had a GTS engine." Strange, mm. isn't it? But when yeah, you're in the base strange. spec 911, the kinds of, for some reason the sort of terms of reference are, are, are just a bit different. Um, and I was quite lucky um, where I drove it because it was up a road that was closed. Uh, I think there'd been a landslide or something, but it was, the good news is it was closed 27 miles away from where I entered it. Um, and it's just one of those great American mountain roads. So I just I had the place to myself. And as far as kind of modern sports cars go it's kind of, it's the opposite to a ferrari 296 relatively speaking you know it doesn't have any hybrid um it's got a manual box um it's much much cheaper it's not all about the power um no, and sitting here power. sitting here not having driven either of them i'd prefer to jump in the 911t because I'd, i just i like cars that you can use on the road access their performance yeah. on the road i mean it's not to 62 times 4.5 seconds which these days I mean, there are any number of hot hatches which will beat that yeah. four-wheel drive. Yeah, and you know, and again, it just it just goes to show that it's just not about the power. And so often, because the power, you know, with the power often comes weight, and and also, you know, the faster you go, the less usable the car comes bit can, can be. Because if you have to be driving at a speed at a speed which is you know antisocial or unsafe in public to get the most out of the car, then you know, mm. what's the point? Yeah, what is the point indeed? Um, Yes, you still haven't declared one car your favourite car of the year. Uh, is it the 911? Well, except it would be the 911 if it wasn't a bloody 911 because it's just so <laughs> it's just so crashingly predictable, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, if it can't if if it can't be the Dacia Jogger, which well, I also drive, I sat and I think I sat and I think all the car of the year, Jerry, which means I have to drive everything. Um, and actually, it's a really good discipline for me, and I remain as interested in all the um, more accessible stuff as I do in the more sporting stuff that we tend to feature on on TI. And sometimes it goes back to what I was saying about fitness for purpose. The Dacia Jogger, okay? It just comes, it's this, it's a big sort of really, really cheap, do-everything family bus. And it's brilliant. It just does the job. Um so, yeah, in, in another world, that would be up there. Um, but no, OK, 911T. There you go. I've waffled on too much. 911T is the one. As a car journalist, I spend lots of time far from home in airports and hotels using whatever Wi-Fi network is available. But I've started using NordVPN to protect my devices and data while travelling. It's easy to use. And best of all, I can still watch streaming services when I'm not at home. I can't tell you how annoying it is to be told I can't watch a Grand Prix or catch up on Top Gear just because I'm overseas. But now I can be halfway around the world and make websites and streaming platforms think I'm back at home in Bristol. 
We've partnered with NordVPN to offer you a massively discounted rate, and I mean more than 60% off the standard cost, plus four months for free. It's a hell of an offer. If you've been meaning to check out VPNs but haven't got around to it, just go and try NordVPN now. That's N-O-R-D VPN. Take advantage of this offer at nordvpn.com forward slash intercooler or you can click on the link in the description of this podcast. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee so you can try NordVPN risk-free. Right, let's get back to the podcast. Do you, we did discuss it last week, but do you want to mention the GR86? No, I'll mention the GR86 because that was one of the significant new cars of the year that I did drive. I went on the launch and I just thought it was fantastic. I I liked the GT86, but there were things about it that annoyed me. Things like um, the engine sound, things like the steering I never really got on with. Things like the springing of the pedals, I don't think they quite matched. Things like the gear shift. Um, and I actually, unless you're hooning about around some cones in a car park or on track, I didn't get on with the super slippery Prius tyres either on the GT86. I, you know, fine when you're hooning about, but when you want to drive a car accurately and trust the grip and so on, I never quite got on with them. That's why I wouldn't prefer... you Wouldn't you just rather be going sideways, though, if you're on a track? <laughs> yeah, but, you, you, but you, you can't always do that on the road. You can do it in second gear around tight yeah. corners but the rest of the time yeah. I'd, I'd prefer to have the I mean I'm completely not grip. with you on this yeah um, interesting I, I mean okay, okay. I mean, don't get me wrong I love the GR86 I, I, and you know you'll talk about it in a minute but um, to me it is nothing like as great a car now as the GT86 was 10 years ago I remember getting mm. a GT86 first time I ever drove it was on a wet track um, and honestly the closest I come to coming off was literally through laughing so much I was crying <laughs> with laughter and I just thought but I, see, I, th- I think you can still do all that stuff in the GR86 well, on its better yeah. tyres. Well, yeah, but it's just got more grip, hasn't it? It's got a lot more grip. Yeah. Which means you've got to be going that much faster before you can start to cock about in it. Yeah, it's true. I just think it's... I think they've honed it and refined it. But and they have. It's a better car. That I didn't it's like. a better car. Well, I don't think it's yeah. a greater car today now than the GT86 was okay. a decade ago. Fair point. Yes, um, there Well, I, the other cars that I enjoyed driving were not new cars at all. Well, actually, maybe the Tuthill 9146 Resto Mod kind of is a new car because it's a new build, built yeah. this year. Um, oh, loved it, loved it. Um, it has the GT wide body arches on it, so it looks superb. It's got a great stance. It sits on the ground. Um, it has, it's a one-off, this thing. It has the engine from a 27RS, which is a great motor, 210 horsepower or something. Weighs nothing i think it's well it's sub ton um and it so it goes like stink it's got wonderful unassisted steering um just in terms of you know i i moan more than anyone i know about modern performance cars and how what they want you to do on the road is drive them flat out go as hard as you dare that's what they're built to do it seems to me um and i the faster they get the less inclined i am to do that whereas this tuthill resto mod you know, you can use all the power. You're not going that fast. Um, but you only have to be going six, seven, eight tenths to feel like you're stretching it, exercising it, to feel like you're working at it. Um, and you have to work at it. If, you, if you're lazy with getting down a gear, if you're not using all the power, um, if you're not working hard to use all the grip, you're not going that quickly. So to cover ground, you have to work at it. And it's super, super rewarding because of it. Um, and Tuthill, they're, they're doing some fantastic stuff now. Um, 
So I'm going to make sure, that's one of the things I want to do next year, is go and drive some more Tart Hill stuff. They've, they've done some brilliant 911 Resto mods. Um, and I have got an offer to go and drive one of their cars already. So once we've got some slightly better weather, that's absolutely top of my priority list. Can we talk about some of the cars which didn't quite hit the spot? We should. Um, I may not be make, but about to make many friends here. Lotus Amira. Mm. I want to go back, and hopefully there'll be somebody at Lotus listening to this, and, and, and if they're still speaking at the end of this, um, maybe they'll ring me up. But I want to... I mean, the Amira I drove... Um, it was. I think it was just the wrong car in that it was one of these first edition things, but it had it, it had sort of touring suspension on it, um, but a really tight limited slip diff on it, um, and you know, and so it just you know on the track it just understeered everywhere, and I never felt particularly at home in it. And given that this was meant to be the you know the big statement, the big you know post Geely acquisition statement from Lotus I just it just didn't quite do I mean it was it was it was fine it was fun I, I I'm, I'm glad I went and drove it but I mean you know, I can remember doing exactly that in an Elise in 1995 and just thinking oh wow okay everything changes now I didn't get that at all from it um and I, th- I just think I drove the wrong car I mean I, I'd, I'd like to drive whatever they call it the sport which has the you know the, the the grippy tires and the diff and everything else and is more track oriented or I'd like to actually what I'd really like to drive is a completely standard car a completely standard car uh, on the road I'm not that bothered about the track um and because I want to what I really want is to realize I was wrong or that I'd just been given the wrong car, and that the car isn't... I mean, I know it's not a new car, um, anything like as much a new car as Lotus would like you to think it is. It is a heavily, 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 massively facelifted Evora. Um, to the extent that you maybe you could, you know, if you squint a bit, think of it as a new car. But, you know, its origins are clear. Um, and I just want to know how good that car can be, because there is nobody in the world who is not an employee of Lotus who wants Lotus to succeed more than I do. I just really, really, really want to that that company to fly. It means so much to me. Um, so hopefully, I'll go and have another go in um, in an Amira, and that'll be that'll be good. Well, I the Amira was another one of the cars that passed me by this year. So maybe they'll have both of us along, and we can both try the Amira. Um, okay. On a similar note to the the resto mod, the Tuthill resto mod I spoke about, I drove um, a lightweight. Jaguar E-Type, actually a recreation, a continuation thing. Um, and uh, have you ever raced one of these, or have you had a go in one of them before, or, or dri- one of the originals? I mean. Yeah, I've driven. I've, I've driven both um, a sort of standard lightweight E-Type, if you give for such thing, standard, yeah. and a completely whizzed up, you know, Goodwood Revival Special. Yeah, I've driven. I've, I've driven. Yeah, both. Mm. Um, I, I just, I just loved driving it, and the the thing that leapt out at me excuse the pun, was the, um, I drove a C-type continuation before I drove it, and I just, I couldn't get on with this thing. I didn't feel like I fit in it properly. I yeah. couldn't get my head around the big steering wheel and yeah. all the awkward things about it, the gear shift. Um, I, I just found it tricky, and it's the kind of car that I would need half a day in to get my head around and to really start moving around in it, and then maybe it would be wonderful. Meanwhile, this um, E-type, which is based on a, a design that's only 10 years younger felt like 30 or 40 because it, it, it just felt like a modern car to me. I fit in yeah. it properly, comfortable seating position, 
gear shift that I could just bang in and out. Um, yeah. just but, also te- but also technologically, yeah. if you think of the difference between a C-type and an E-type, mm. as you say, you know, it's only 10 years, but it's the difference between a live rear axle and independent rear suspension and it's the difference and it's the difference between a space frame chassis and the monocoque yeah yeah what a 10 years it was exactly what a 10 it's, years. it's not any 10 years is it not any 10 years and that's mm. why mm. it's just yeah. it's just night technologically the two cars are just night and day apart it's such an eye-opener yeah, yeah. really good opportunity to get to do that and understand what that difference is really like um can i give you one more this is slightly left field I only did a few laps of dunsfold in it but the the Praga Bohemia, the hypercar. <laughs> Bohemia. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure. It's 1.1 million quid, isn't it, before tax? Um, it's got a Nissan GTR engine in it. Um, they want to sell, I think it's 79. Um, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks superb. Actually, we're yeah. up close. It looks brilliant. It's yeah. expertly finished. Very, yeah. very high standard. Yeah. Um, but it's a hard sell, isn't it? 1.1 million yeah, quid when no one's heard of Yeah, just because it should sell. Uh, just well, it's just because it's as good as any as, as other cars that might cost that money doesn't mean it's going to sell. Um, mm. You know, there are, you know, there, there there is nobody more brand sensitive than your typical one point one million yeah. quid car customer. Mm. And so, you, so you're so through so this is what is it? it's a Praga Bohemia Bohemia. Is it Czech? Is it? Yeah. And, you, and you don't want to have to explain it, do you? No, no, you don't. It's a Ferrari. It's a McLaren. <laughs> oh, okay, I know what that is. Yeah, what's this um, thing? But because someone might think it's a hundred grand car, because yeah, they wouldn't necessarily know. Because they, yeah, and you know, and because they might look at you know, sort of you know, radicals and that sort yeah. of thing, which you know. Um, but I, I wish them well. Um, well, I do, I do, because it was fantastic to drive. I've never yeah. driven anything on track that's so at home on track that's entitled to wear a number plate. Yeah, it was unbelievable. The power. I, it was only running 550 horsepower. They will have 700. Um, but even so, the power was sensational. Again, less than a ton. Um, and just so exciting, but accessible. You know, this is a, a full, it's an aero car. It's got, I think it's a good 800 kilograms of downforce at 155 miles an hour. So it's an aero car. But I could drive it. It's an amazing thing. It's fairly benign. It's approachable. So you've got this phenomenal amount of performance, phenomenal amount of grip and power, but you can use it from the second lap onwards. Um, I think that says a lot about the car. I, I really liked it, actually. I mean, I drove one of their race cars yeah. earlier in the year. Um, and I, was, I spent my entire time, I'm afraid I didn't quite manage to do it, because I know the car could do it, trying to get down the crane of curves flat. In it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is a really, really fast car. Mm. Um, with enormous amounts of error, and the and the, the only reason it wouldn't do it was the space between my ears. I know I know it would do it flat, um, but it's, it's a funny thing, things. isn't it? It's a funny thing, you know. You're thinking, right? I'm going to be flat this lap, and your foot just goes, <laughs> and, and and you take one decision, and your foot takes another. <laughs> and there's nothing Strange you can do about thing. it. Um, no. but it would. No, it was. It was. That was. That was a um, a really a really good car. Yeah. Um, Another resto mod I drove, and I think this one cost one point six seven million pounds for the RML short wheelbase. Yeah, this is the I drove it as well actually earlier on in its development cycle. So this was the fully finished thing, and mm. I spent a day on the road in it and a day on a track in it. Yeah, maybe it wasn't such a bad year after all. Anyway, um, <laughs> and, 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 and what it was like, it, it's like a V twelve GT eighty six. 
Okay, it looks amazing. It's got that carbon body and it looks like a 250 GT. But, it, but the way it drives, mm. because you know they've got Pirelli Rosso tyres on it. I'd forgotten the Pirelli Rosso even existed. It's basically, it's a concrete tyre uh, with lots of sidewall. And, um, and it's, just been, it's, been, it's just been set up to slide. And it's, it's lovely and soft and engaging on the road. And then you get on the track and you've got this, basically it's a 550 Maranello under. It's a completely mm-hmm. rebuilt blueprinted 550 Maranello underneath. Um, and I, 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 when I drove it, there were lots and lots of other really, really fast things uh, around at the time, some of which we've already spoken about. And every time I got out of it, I just thought, whatever I drive next isn't going to be as much fun as this. <laughs> and I know they're going to make 30 minutes, 1.67 million pounds, and we probably need to talk about it because it is in those terms and irrelevance. But, yeah, we're talking about cars we drove this year, and I just, I just loved it because it was just, you know, a six-speed manual gearbox, a fantastic five-and-a-half-litre naturally aspirated V12, rear-wheel drive, and just wants to skid. Mm-hmm. I mean... You can see why people with the resources to buy these cars are sort of turning their attention to that sort of resto mod, can't you? Because well, you just you just set out the ingredients there. You can't get that stuff in a new car. No, um, and it's and also that's the, the stuff the, I want. The, and the ability to sort of you know, and I guess it's the same deal with a Singer or with an Eagle E type. Um, the ability to really um, tailor it to your own requirements yeah. and to sit yeah. down with individuals. And create a bespoke car rather than sort of ticking things off on options list. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. You mentioned Craner Curves earlier, Donington Park. Yeah. One of my highlights of the year, and this came out of the out of the left field. I, you know, I, <laughs> we were at Donington Park for um, Supercar Drivers Secret Meet, and Karun was there with DTO Motorsport, um, who had a a 911 GT2 RS, um, and he just sent me a message during the day. Come here now. Come to our pit garage and I'll take you out in the GT2 RS. I've sat with lots of racing drivers. I've sat with racing drivers in in much quicker stuff than a road legal GT2 RS. There's something about it. Karun, I don't know if he was just trying hard or something, but he was really, really on it. Um, And it was just a privilege to see how a very, very skilled racing driver approaches a circuit. You know, how they use parts of it that I don't even, didn't even realise you could use, how late he was braking, how early he was getting on the power. You know, when, when you think... I, I thought that if he got on the power at this point, we'd just slide or understeer off or something, but somehow he's able to get the power down and you shoot out of corners. So thank you, Karun, for taking me out in that thing because you, it was mega. Do, do, do you often wonder, as, as I do... So the gap between, on the one hand, you or me, on the other hand, Karun, how much of that gap would be removed if your talent level stayed the same, but you had Karun's levels of confidence? I mean, clearly you crashed the car. A, well, but, that's true. Yeah. But, but the confidence it, it, is a huge part of it. There is so much stuff in a racing car I don't do because I'm not quite sure mm. of the outcome. Whereas Kroon would just back himself to sort it out. Yeah. He might not know, he'll, but he'll just say, whatever it is, I can cope with it. So bang, mm. you know, and he'll get back on the power, you know, 10 yards earlier than me and he'll carry five miles an hour more out of the corner and therefore be doing 15 miles an hour more by the mm. end of the straight. Of the fo- and, you know, and that's what happens, isn't it? I, mm. and I just wonder how much of it is raw talent, clearly a bit or a lot maybe, um, and how much of it is just backing yourself. And experience as well, yeah. you know. I wonder how close you can get if you 
were fortunate enough to spend five, ten years racing very, very fast cars all year. Um, you could get close, but it's that next little bit, isn't it? That makes it's the a little bit. It's the little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think you could get you you could get to ninety ninety five percent of it, but you'd never get the last mm. bit. Mm. No. Yeah. That um, was very cool though. What else? Have you got any other cars you want to talk about or any other yeah, highlights couple. of your year? Um, slightly disappointing Caterham. Um, and Which I only one? say that because, you know, I, well, I, I own a Caterham, I've, I've raced Caterhams, I've built Caterhams, I've crashed Caterhams, I've done everything you can do in a Caterham. I adore Caterhams. Um, and you'd think the 420 Cup would be, you know, the Caterham of Caterhams because basically it's the race car, it's the race car made yeah. road legal. Um, but it's so expensive. You know, it's £20,000 more than a standard 420, which has the same engine. Still has a limited slip diff in it. But, you know, it's got... It's very, very stripped back. It's got the sequential mm. uh, Sadev gearbox in it, which, unless you're absolutely driving it with your pants on fire, um, isn't that nice to you? And I just I just remember thinking to myself, if you're going to have a car like this, you want it to be a complete nut job. And if you're going to have a nut job case, you've got to get the supercharged car with another 100 horsepower. Or if you're not going to do that, then you don't want the race car chassis. And it just stuck me as being stuck betwixt and between. Mm. It was... The, the the chassis was too strong for the engine um and yeah i it's just one of those it's slightly strange things because usually i just you know 1.6 you know super 7 anything like that road sport love it but mm. this just didn't gel well this is um, interesting because you you drove it on the road first yeah um but i know you've since driven it on the track and yeah. i i would have expected that you'd drive it on the track and go aha i get it but that clearly didn't happen well that was lovely on the track it was very fast mm. on the track but no i still you know, on the track, I just wanted another 100 horsepower. <laughs> you know, on the road, I didn't want a sequential box. On the track, I absolutely yeah. wanted the sequential box, you know, and just go bang all the way through. But, you know, it's got like 210 horsepower, but they've mm. got an engine with 310 horsepower. So why on earth not use that? Well, I think it's called the 620R, isn't it? So they do do that. And, mm. um, yeah, it was, just, it was just strange. I mean, on the track, it just it's ridiculous. It just didn't feel fast enough. <laughs> you know you come honking out of some corner and think right let's go guys and it wouldn't hmm. interesting mm. um so one of the cars one of my highlights one of the cars i drove this year was uh, a formula one car at spa i'm sorry oh okay <laughs> yes i know what you're with kind of yeah um so yeah very lucky to get to go and see a company near me literally 10 minutes from my house just a bizarre coincidence called Dynisma. They make a, a sort of next generation racing simulator. Um, and they're very, very sophisticated. So much so that Ferrari has bought one for its Formula One team. Um, and so actually just to get an opportunity to drive a sim like that is very rare because they're so expensive that time on them itself is expensive. And so I got to do, I was probably driving, it was a 2019 Formula One car around a dry spa for, I don't know, a good 20 minutes or something. Very, very lucky to get to do that. And it's the first sim I've ever tried that makes sense, that I could actually settle into and feel like I was getting somewhere and chip away at lap time by daring to brake later, by holding higher gears rather than changing down, by just committing a bit more. You know, sims in the past, I've driven a few, not, nothing quite at that standard, and I just spin off and I can't feel what's going on and I'm just all so- at sea. But so this one me. was great. Eau Rouge Easy Flat? Um, well, yeah, it was. Um, 
initially, I, it's a curious thing because you think, well, why not just do it? Because if you have a massive crash, it literally doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but you're trying to drive neat and tidy. You're trying to drive well. And so initially I was um, getting down a gear just in the, after the compression, just to st- stabilize it maybe. But then you realize that the faster you go, the more pressed into the ground it is by the aero, which is what you'd expect. And then you just pop out over the top foot pinned and it's fantastic and actually the i think one of the most amazing things i felt in that simulator was when i did commit to the quicker corners like poo on that really quick double left hander you weren't flat through that were you yeah well not quite flat no but um a little lift and then on the power almost as you're turning in yeah and when you do that when you carry that bit of extra speed i'm sure i could feel the extra grip i'm just so convinced i could feel the extra grip God, which, again, it's is, easier to drive it, the car just gets easier and easier to drive. And, you know, it's not driving a Formula One car at Spa, but it gives you some idea of how quickly everything comes at you. Yeah. Um, and so that was, it was a very, very cool thing to do. It's an amazing bit of kit. Um, so, yeah, one of the best things I drove this year, no question. Do you have a duffer of the year? A duffer of the year? Um, I drove... Uh, I picked you up in it, didn't I? Oh, yes. I don't know if Duffer is fair, no, but it's, it's the least it's impressive. Just, no, because if it was 40 grand, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'm... Yeah. Le- least impressive car I drove this year yeah. was the Genesis GV60, the electric one. 65 grand. The one I drove was 75 grand. And it was kind of fine. It, there were some things I didn't particularly like about it. Um, it's an electric crossover SUV. You well, shouldn't be spending that. 75 grand on one of those. 75 grand. But mm. then I drove the... Kia EV6 GT, which is the same car underneath. Um, again, it's an expensive thing, 62 grand or something, but it had a load more power, nicer to look at, nicer to be in, uh, better to drive. It just made more sense. Okay. Um, mine is um, the Ford Mustang Mach-E GT. Mm. Was that this year? Well, I think it must have been. Yeah, maybe it was. Uh, well, yes, it would have been very early this year. Mm. Uh, well, certainly for me. Maybe it's some other journalists. I drove it um, because it was it was shortlisted for the 2022. Well, the Mackey was shortlisted for the 2022 Car of the Year, um, so I drove it in an event we held for that in February. Um, and the, you know, the Mackey, as you know, electric SUVs go, uh, it looks good. Um, you know, it's a perfectly reasonable family holdall if you can deal with all the range and everything else. But the GT, the fast one. Oh, I hated it. It was just terrible. The brakes were just... I, I don't think I've ever driven a car with a less pleasant brake pedal. Not that the car wouldn't stop. Hmm. It just felt... You never knew what it was going to do. The ride quality was utterly... Short. I mean, there's a bit of road near me. Um, and I had to go up it once. And I thought, if I'm ever going to be back this way in this car, I'm going the other way. Because I just couldn't face it. It was so... It was, it wasn't just uncomfortable. It was, it was genuinely unpleasant. Uh, the sort of thing you're actually sitting there thinking, really? Hmm. Um, well, so, it's good, actually, but uh, it's nice to know there are still some crap cars out there. Yeah, no, and, and you and is, I still have a purpose in our yeah, and, and working it is, lives. Yeah, well, exactly, um, and, and and that is undoubtedly one of them. Um, you know, a, a Mustang Mackie, if that's if that suits your purpose and that's the kind of car you want, uh, with my blessing. But the GT, just avoid it. Um, Best we look at this year. Best thing I did this year. I'm um, only asking you because then I can get to tell you mine. <laughs> uh, oh, 
It's so hard. I don't know. I can't give you an answer to that straight away. Um, so, you, oh, no, okay. I can. Buying a Golf GTI. There you go. I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on it because I've spoken about it a lot, but it is fantastic. It's better than I ever could have hoped. It is the perfect car for me now and for the next few years. And, and how much Brilliant. do you think of that is that it's a Mark 7.5 Golf GTI, which we all know is an absolutely fantastic car, and how much of it is, is because that particular car is in exactly the right spec for you? Um, I think it I, uh, probably more than you'd imagine. I think it's probably 30% because of the exact spec. It's a good yeah. junk. You know, I enjoy yeah. the car much more because it's manual, because it's performance, because it's got the adaptive dampers, um, all those things. It's just absolutely... I wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't no. change a thing. Yours? No. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I did a high-speed demonstration at the Good Members Meeting in the Porsche 962C that won Le Mans in 1987. Uh, I mean, right you're never going to beat that, are you? No. You're never going to beat that. I mean, I'm never going to beat that. And there were, I think there were, I don't know, 14, 15 Group C Porsches out there. And because one of them, my, because they went in date order... Um, I was one of the last, so I get, got to see them all in front of me. Mm. Um, and it was evening, so all the lights were on, and seeing that crocodile of Group C Porsches going around the track. And we all bunched up around, because we had to go behind a pace car. So what we did was, every time we got to the pits, we all just basically stopped and let the pace car get half a lap ahead. And then we nailed it until we caught it up again, um, which wasn't ideal, but it was an awful lot better than nothing. Uh, and, yeah, I mean... Blimey. To be yeah. in, I mean, not a 962, a works Rothmans 962, which that actual car had won Le Mans. It was the last Porsche, works Porsche 962 to win Le Mans, 1987. What a thing to be able to do. That's so, superb. Yeah, that is I, mean, superb. I may never beat that, but um, I couldn't let this podcast end without, um, without mentioning it. Can we just rattle through a few of the cars we're looking forward to driving next year? Yes. Yes. What I'll you give think? you mine. I'll give you mine. Um, Go on. And as we are, well, as you and I know, um, I've had to politely decline an offer to go and drive it um, <laughs> for personal reasons. Um, yes. We've got a baby coming, and I can't be out of the country next month. Um, but the 911 Dakar. Yes. Um, and the offer was to go and I want to drive it in the environment it's designed for. Yes. Um, and sadly, the launch event is exactly that, isn't it? So I had the opportunity. I just can't do it. Um, was it in Morocco? It is in Morocco. It will be in Morocco. Ay, ay, ay. On roads, on gravels, and on dunes. Ah, yeah, I'm gutted about that because I may never get a chance to drive that car where it's You'll designed drive to it. be driven. Yeah, I will, but not on dunes and gravel tracks. And oh well. Um, yeah. Um, so what am I looking forward to? Um, there's an electric Fiat. There's an all new Fiat Panda coming. I love Fiat Pandas. <laughs> Actually, that's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah, well, it could be very cool. Is it only electric? Yeah, I yeah. believe so. I believe so. Um, but actually, Stellantis have got a really cool sort of small EV platform, the new mm. Jeep Avenger, which I haven't driven, but actually, which I'm going to drive between Christmas and New Year. But lots of my mates have driven it and said it's really, really good for that kind of car. Um, so I am looking forward to that. Um, what are we really looking forward to? Um, you know, the, well, the, there's the Ferrari SUV. Hmm. You're going to tell me what it's called? Puro Sangue. Puro Sangue. What does that still to, sound We have to it? anglicise it, don't we? We're not going to say Puro Sangue. Puro Sangue. We're going to say Puro Sangue. Probably Puro Sang. That's what it's going to get called. Dude, the way it's Puro Sangue is it's the gray at the end, which yeah, I, just, I, I just kind of struggle with. Yeah, um, I'll do a bit. 
But yeah. I'm more curious about that than really looking forward to it. I'm very curious about that. Mm. Um, I hope, I hope, I hope, and this isn't why we've been plugging the Gordon Murray podcast, but I really, really hope um, one of us gets to drive the T50 in Oof. 2023. Yeah. That could be an absolute landmark. Yeah, it could be stellar. And, we, we, and, we, and if it happens, if one of us does, the other one's just going to doorstep it. We're just going to come along too and go, go on, get a go. <laughs> yeah, I'm here We're going to have to, aren't we? Yeah, you, yeah, can't, yeah. you know. You can't um, turn it down. No. Well, okay, other end of the spectrum. Go BMW on. M2. There's a brand new BMW M2 yeah, coming. Um, that'd be good. I've got a list of cars here, and that is the second most affordable on the list. It's going to be a 60 grand car, isn't it? maybe more yes it is so it's not it's not a, I can't afford it so it's not an affordable car but no. at least it's not some six figure thing like everything else seems to be uh, is there going to be a new Alpine next year there is I think there's going to be an Alpine version of the new Renault 5 isn't there but I don't know whether it's coming next year or not I think it comes much later on yeah I think a couple of years away but definitely keen to drive that yeah um, I am driving the new Civic Type R at Thruxton next month ah. um, so that's the most affordable new performance car that's on my radar for next year and it's still what's that 46 grand or something? 46, 000, 46 and a bit thousand pounds yeah 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 oh crikey well, that's where the world's going isn't there mm. yeah do you know the the one that i am really quite looking forward to driving is the new mustang or rather the sort of revised mustang and it's a funny thing because i used to be quite sniffy about those cars when was it 2014 the mustang was new and i was like well that's a big american barge isn't it not really interested and of course now it is affordable. It has got a manual gearbox. It has got a massive NAV8. Well, it's, so it's, it's just... it is the only car left. Yeah. It is the only car left with a naturally aspirated V8 in it. Yeah. Oh, amazing, and manual really. gearbox and the V8's at the right end. Yeah. And, it's, and, and it's driven at the other. Yeah. I mean, you know, we need to cherish these moments of these mm. cars because, you know, they'll be, I mean, it'll be the last one of those. And then, the, you know, and with it, we'll die the naturally aspirated V8. You might, you know, there's probably a Camaro, there's probably stuff in the US you, you can buy which may yeah. still have a naturally aspirated V8 in it. But, but over here, I think that's it. That is it. Strange times. Yeah. Well, there you go. Unless there's anything else you want to say about 22 or looking forward to 23, um, I just want to say thank you to everybody listening for supporting the podcast in 22. It's been a good year for the podcast. Um, Thank you all for engaging, for sending in your questions, um, for sharing it and for writing your reviews of the podcast. And as a, a very special mention specifically to our app and website subscribers, um, the people who actually give us money. Um, you are the reason we get to keep doing this. So thank you all. 23 is going to be a big year for us. And um, subscribers will see things happening from January, but it's going to be a hell of a year. We're going to ramp everything right up. We've um, been making a lot of behind the scenes. When yeah. you start a venture like this, in fact, Dan and I are having exactly this conversation just before we um, press the record button. There's so much stuff you don't know because it's not, you know, TI is not something that's like anything that's ever been done before. Um, almost by definition there's a huge amount of stuff you just have to find out because you don't know and the only way you find out is trial and error which and trial and error means well there's trial and there's error and so you make mm. mistakes and you learn um but in the last i would say the last couple of months um there's been a huge amount of stuff that's been going on behind the scenes um basically just it, turning this 
tiny little cottage industry which just started with me and dan you know mucking about into a proper little business Mm. um and we hope and we believe the fruits of those labors will become increasingly apparent throughout 2023 um and that we will go on to do just more of the stuff that everybody loves um but do it better I mean, we're proud of what we've done so far, and I genuinely, without wishing to sort of, you know, blow smoke up our own fundaments, I think that, you know, in the circumstances, I think that everybody involved in the TI project, I mean, particularly our brilliant contributors, have done, you know, fantastic work. But, you know, we are just starting, and yeah. we've, um, we've got big plans. We really do. Really, really big plans. It's going to be a hell of a year. Um, okay, well, we've got a listener question coming up to end the final episode of the podcast for 22. Um, it's one of those nice, simple one, Andrew, simple ones, Andrew, that you'll be able to answer off the top of your head. Yeah. Um, but uh, I must remind you all to rate and review the podcast. That really helps. And please remember that you can give a subscription to the Intercooler as a gift in time for Christmas. Um, for the petrol head in your life, it's very easy. It takes no time at all. We'll send you a digital gift voucher right away. Just head to the-intercooler.com and find the gifts page. Okay, so listen to the question. Um, comes from it comes from Josh Stevenson um, and he says everyone seems to rave on about how good the Ferrari 550 is which harks back to what we were talking about earlier Mm. Um, but not so much about the 575 what happened did they ruin it with the facelift Um, no Um, but they certainly didn't make it any better they certainly made it uglier Um, ruin is too strong a word uh it was slightly spoiled it wasn't as nice to drive um and you know the 550 was just the sweet spot um and you know i think that's now reflected in their second-hand prices um and you know if you can get a manual 575 m i think um i think that's still quite a good thing but no the 550 was just it was better better to look at it was better to drive it was just yeah it was just a better car it wasn't ruined when it went to 575 but nor was it improved in any way that was important to me did they do a handling upgrade later on for the 575 to address yeah. some of the criticism yeah, they did i'm not sure yeah. i ever drove that yeah but i yeah. think the damage had been done by then certainly reputationally the 550 is uh is a, is, is you know regarded as being a, a different sort of proposition to a 575 yeah. and probably rightly so there you go josh thank you for your question um well, we'll keep doing listener questions at the end of the podcast, so get them across for next year, um, and we'll be back with you in 2023. Look forward to it. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.